What you did was a very serious thing. Crossing the boundary between life and death. Reanimating a corpse. It's very upsetting. I just wanted my dog back. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Bouquet's Diaries. <laughs> oh, we're three old monsters learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Adam. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. <laughs> Get into ah. the spirit, you guys. <laughs> it's monster time. It sure is. It's we still... did the mash. <laughs> It's still spooky season. It still is. This is our last episode. That's yes. right. Ooh. On a rainy afternoon in 1816, a 20-year-old woman named Mary Shelley wrote a story that would change the world forever. It was possibly the first science fiction novel, a book about a scientist that created a living creature from corpses. Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, challenged the romantic idea of beauty and explored philosophical themes about the nature of man and the power of creation. Yeah. What a good story. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of good stories were written that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. they were hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> this right. is probably the most famous one. Mm -hmm. Today, Frankenstein is a Halloween staple. It's a story so ingrained in Western celebrations of the holiday, it's hard to imagine a world without it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, can you imagine what? a world without it? I can't. I cannot. It's, you know, there are those iconic monsters that are in, in every Halloween thing ever. Mm -hmm. There's like a generic mummy, ghost, vampire, Frankenstein. Always there. The story inspired many different adaptations. But one of the strangest and most original was created by Tim Burton in 1984. Frankenweenie followed the story of a young boy that uses electricity to bring his beloved dog back to life. 28 years later, Disney gave Burton the chance to remake this short film in his favorite medium, stop motion. We're not 100% sure that's his favorite medium, but we're yeah, pretty but darn sure I mean, that's uh... his favorite. Mm. We're pretty, pretty strong evidence yeah, in that favor. We're pretty sure. <laughs> Today we're bringing you through the history of this fun retelling of a classic tale. Yay! So grab your popcorn and settle in for a shocking story of Sparky and his human Victor. Yay! <laughs> this is so cute. It is. Love this. Oh. oh my gosh, what a cute little movie. So... We just watched it for the first time. That's we right. did. This is yeah. a, a really rare movie for us to cover because usually one of us has seen it. Usually it's me. And <laughs> I have the times. other people watch it. <laughs> the other people. You the know, Marcy people. and Adam. <laughs> <laughs> All <Yeah>. the other people <laughs> in the room. <laughs> There's actually hundreds in here. Marcy and Adam They're, are the only ones yeah. that get to talk. They're right, just right. very good at staying quiet. They really I don't know are. how they do it. Especially <laughs> Phil. Yeah. Classic Damn film. It, what, Phil. A, what a talent. They call him, <laughs> quiet Phil, they call him. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, this is a rare one because none of us had seen it going in. Mm -hmm. But we were like, let's freaking do it. Yeah. All watched it. Like a, we knew it's got to be good. Yeah. yeah. What did you guys think? I It was one of those movies that I had known about and <laughs> knew it was out there. For some reason, mm -hmm. I just never got a chance to watch it. So I really liked it. It reminded me a lot of the original, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. And I yeah. loved the original when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was a good time. Yeah. I, I love the heart in it. And the voices, of course, are pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Got, gotta love me some voice actors. And stop motion, just, oh, love <laughs> it's, it. It's just beautiful just, every time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Tim Burton agrees with you. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great as well. I had never seen the original Frankenweenie short either, but obviously just by the title, I know what the story is, right? It's mm -hmm. a Frankenstein parody. Yeah. So it was just really sweet yeah. and yet had that spook factor just because it was a nice little Halloween tale. It had the <laughs> Frankenstein's monster things, yeah. you know, a little bit creepy, but... It was about a little cute dog and a boy who misses them real bad. And it's just this really heartfelt Halloween story. 
and yeah. it was great. Yeah, it's so, it was so cute. Mm-hmm. I think it's so weird that you saw this before you saw the original. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's funny because when we went back and watched the original, I was like, wow, look at how similar this is to, <laughs> the, to the Disney one. But obviously. It, in fact, it was so similar that when we were watching the 2012 one, we originally started watching it in a form that it kept skipping a little bit and uh, stopping on different frames. Mm-hmm. One of the frames was when the teacher sparks the little frog mm-hmm. and its legs go oh, up. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> and you could and you can see Victor in the background and stuff. And it was like, oh, Light that's bulb. that's a weird shot. And then when we were watching the live action version. They had that exact same shot. I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the original Frankenweenie. Based on his films, it's no surprise that Tim Burton is a fan of horror stories. He grew up watching the Universal monster movies and Japanese monster films. One of his favorite aspects of these movies was that monsters were almost never what they seemed to be. Sometimes they were just misunderstood. Yep. Sometimes they were the good guy. He was a big fan of Godzilla mm-hmm. and Kaiju and yeah. all of that stuff. And so he really, he loved that sometimes Godzilla was kind of a good guy. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes he, nope. <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's the lesser of two evils. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so he loved the universal ones. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, last week we talked about Ray Bradbury and it's very similar. Ray Bradbury was really inspired by old Universal movies, too. Yeah. And Lon Chaney, especially. So, you know, these movies also inspired Tim Burton. Burton had the original idea for Frank and Weenie while working at Disney in the 1980s. That's right. He was there all the way back. Yep. All the way back back in the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) He got fired, I think, four times, he said. Yep. Yep. (laughs) He jokes about it. (laughs) (laughs) The story came from experience. When Burton was a child, He had a dog named Pepe that he loved dearly. It was his first major relationship and the first big death that he experienced. This, combined with the Frankenstein storyline, created a new kind of adaptation that flipped the original story on its head. The original monster in Frankenstein was cast out by its creator because it wasn't a product of love. In this story, Victor only attempts to create life because he misses his best friend. Oh. Yeah, they make a very good point of it. In both versions, where it's mm-hmm. like, that's why it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. is because the love was there this time. Yeah. The creature that he creates in Frankenstein is a generally good yeah. creature, but only experiences hatred mm-hmm. and misunderstanding mm-hmm. and being yeah. cast out. And that's because what of how turns he looks him. And... Yeah. yeah. And then be- from that circumstance, he becomes a quote unquote monster. Mm-hmm. Because, but even though initially, even though he looked awful to other people, he's literally yeah. made of dead things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. he was generally a kind, loving yeah. creature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had no reason to start out with hatred and anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just, you know, alive all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the project was greenlit. And Burton was able to direct a live-action version of the story starring Barrett Oliver, Daniel Stern, and Shelley Duvall. Barrett Oliver, wow, the same year, starred in The NeverEnding Story. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. And then, of course, Shelley Duvall from The Shining. <sighs> yep. And then Daniel Stern. We just talked about him in The Wonder Years. We did, yes. Its runtime was only 30 minutes, and it was set to premiere on television. But the test screenings appeared to scare children, and the short film was pulled. Wow. Why? It's too scary, I guess. Yeah. What was scary? I don't know. The dog was like cute still. <laughs> yeah. Like they just like they just put like a little patch on him. Like on his back and yeah. one on his head. And they yeah. did the little bolts on the, the neck yep. as like a an exact Frankenstein reference, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. But other than that, it's just a dog. <laughs> yeah, it's just a dog with some makeup on, really, and uh. I think I, I, it must have been some of the sequences, like yeah. when yeah. the little boy is trapped in the windmill. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and the dog essentially gets killed twice in this movie, which, yeah. you know, it, I remember being a kid and having a hard time with the beginning when the dog gets hit by the car. Yeah. That part was very sad. And I yeah. remember having a hard time with that. But the rest of it, I wouldn't have said it was scary. I never no. felt like it was a mm-hmm. scary movie. Mm-mm. Yeah. 
Years later, Disney released the short film on home video. It quickly became a hit, and today it has a cult following. Now it can be streamed on Disney+, and can be found on many The Nightmare Before Christmas DVDs. When Tim Burton was gathering pieces for a Museum of Modern Art exhibit, he came across the concept drawings for the film and decided he'd like to revisit the story again. By now, Burton was an accomplished filmmaker, with hits like Beetlejuice and The Nightmare Before Christmas under his belt. So he brought the idea to Disney, which would eventually fund the project. So back in 1984, (laughs) he was just working at Disney, and he had this idea, and they were like, well, kids say it's scary, we're pulling it off the air. Mm -hmm. Back then, he didn't really have much pull or much say. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But after a few years, I mean, four years later, he had Beetlejuice. (laughs) (laughs) Then, you know, he had Batman. Yeah. Then he had Nightmare Before Christmas, you know. (laughs) It's like a really big jump. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Zero to 100 really fast. Yeah. To Burton, this didn't really feel like a remake. This time, he had the budget and the resources to incorporate all the personal experiences and monster movie influences that birthed the original concept. Burton decided the film wouldn't be live action, but stop motion instead. He said of using stop motion, It's a form that I do love because there's something very tactile about it, you know? It's a set, and the lights and the characters are going in and out of the shadows. You see that. There's something, yes, why I love Ray Harryhausen's work where you can feel hands on it. You can feel there's an energy to it. It is really like one of the most unique mediums, not mm-hmm. just animation, but just in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just something to it. It feels so real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the way it's like, there's something so satisfying about stop motion. Yeah. Some of the textures, you just, it feels like it's just, it feels real. Yeah, it's got a, a gritty nature to it that yeah. you can almost feel just by watching it. Yeah. yeah. When asked why redo an already successful movie, Tim Burton replied to puppet designer Peter Sanders that he wanted more of a performance from the dog Sparky. This would be more possible with a stop-motion dog than a live-action dog. Yeah, you can get more emotion. Yes. <laughs> yes. The Obviously, with a real-life dog, you can't really get it to emote. Very well. Yeah. No, it can be happy. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess sad and and angry and upset, but like. It's just so much more controlled. Yes. Yeah. That was one thing that Ariel pointed out. Like the first thing she noticed about Sparky was that he had eyebrows. Mm -hmm. Because that's just not a thing that dogs have. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's very noticeable, but just that addition makes emoting so much easier. Yes. Yeah. So if you're like us and haven't seen this movie, then here's a synopsis. Victor Frankenstein loves his dog, Sparky. They do everything together, including making their very own monster movies. One day while Victor is playing baseball, Sparky runs into the street and gets hit by a car. Victor is devastated. After learning about the possibilities of combining electricity with a dead frog in science class, Victor decides to use lightning to bring Sparky back to life. As other students catch wind of the experiment, they want to try it as well. But things go awry and the town is soon under attack by a group of pets turned monsters. Oh yeah. Yes. (laughs) Because the runtime is longer for the stop motion movie, Mm -hmm. we have an extra special monster movie plot that kind of gets included. Yes. Yeah. Super wonderful. Because on one hand, it is a very funny joke to have all these monster references and, mm-hmm. you know, the kids are doing it wrong. Aha. Uh-huh. You know, look at this crazy stuff. But on the other hand, it is both the Frankenweenie parody of Frankenstein mm-hmm. and like a more close to the real thing Frankenstein because they create monsters that are like yeah not like, out of love right yeah, yeah. They, actual monsters yeah, really <laughs> they're doing it because they want to win science fair <laughs> ah, you know yes. it's, it's they want to be the smartest yeah. it's just like dr frankenstein mm-hmm. and it obviously goes wrong for them yeah and you mm-hmm. get a little bit of a kind of a pet cemetery feeling to oh, it yeah. yes, you know you a little, little bit of stephen king drizzled in there i felt <laughs> like it's really a very good time i really enjoyed it the teacher 
the you know the yes. one who shows him how yeah, to do this yeah. and mm-hmm. i loved that character in this the that was the thing about this movie compared to the original where mm-hmm. this movie was able to really develop relationships yeah and give more depth to characters mm-hmm. and so in the original the teacher just he's in one scene Mm-hmm. He shows yep. the kids, oh, it's science class. Yeah, look at Electricity. It. Yeah. Yeah, and this one, you know, the teacher's more like a mentor. He's kind of helps him through this loss that he's gone through, you know, and the parents of the town kind of have the same mentality toward the teacher as they do to the monster later on, mm-hmm. where they have kind of this mob mentality oh, you're teaching our kids something weird and different, something that we're not used to, very similar to we don't understand this weird and different thing that's happening. Yes. Let's go hunt it down with pitchforks and fire. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, so there are a lot of parallels to the original story. And I do like that it being a, like, an homage to classic horror Mm -hmm. and a love letter to horror. I, I can appreciate very much that it does that without being super scary (laughs) you know what i mean yeah because i'm not saying that those old movies now would be super scary Mm because you know it's just of the time yeah i don't think they would scare you they're a lot easier to get through but at the same time i do really appreciate having something like a spooky vibe yeah without being scary yeah you know that's why i can still enjoy halloween as somebody who doesn't like horror stuff Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the making of this wonderful stop-motion movie. So based on an original idea by Tim Burton, the 1984 screenplay was written by Leonard Rips. John August wrote the screenplay for the 2012 film. Tim Burton was adamant that the film be in black and white. Thankfully, there was no pushback from the studio to produce a color film. It was a nice coincidence that the black and white film The Artist won the Oscar for Best Picture in 2012, validating the choice for black and white. Oh my goodness. Yeah, not that they needed to be this validated. This movie needed but... to be in black and white. Yeah. The biggest argument is that it, oh, it's too old. Only mm. old stuff is in black and white, right? Yeah. But for me, black and white is not what makes a movie feel old. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of other reasons why movies may feel old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but black and white, it's like, no, you're still seeing, like, you can imagine what the color is if you really want to. Exactly. I mean, I always do. Yeah. yeah. I think my yeah. brain does imagine the colors because I don't remember that a movie. Sometimes I forget. I go, wait, do I watch that movie in color? Do I, you know, especially if it's <laughs> yeah, an old movie. And yeah. There's an option. Mm-hmm, yeah. Where they have colorized it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this movie had to be in black and white. It's a style mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The original is in black and a white. monster movie? It's Come supposed on. to be like a universal monster movie. Yeah. And also, making things black and white really helps you focus on the story. Yes, it does. Yeah. And yeah. the other little details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not distracted by all of this stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. because... it, it simplifies things. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. In order to give the filmmakers more aesthetic options, it was actually shot in color and changed in post to be black and white. It was smart to do it this way. But yes, because as photographers, Robin and I know that uh, (laughs) when you shoot in color and then you change it into black and white, you can choose which colors yeah. stand out or are Uh, are further. Yeah, you have more options. Mm hmm. To keep with the monster movie tradition, the team knew immediately that the film should be 3D. Uh Of course. Yes. A test was conducted to make sure that the effects worked well with the black and white aesthetic. After the test was done, they saw right away it worked. The contrast of the film even helps to intensify the effect. Instead of shooting the film originally in 3D, the team shot normally and gave the different elements, such as the set and characters, to a visual effects house team. This team then put it all together into a 3D film. Man, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. I realized it a couple times in the movie that, oh, this must have been in 3D. Yeah. Because they just have those moments <laughs> where it's like, oh, that was meant to pop out at me. <laughs> and that's the fun of 3D. I yeah. mean, really. It is, yeah. Yeah. Stop motion is a time-consuming art form that we have discussed before. In order to keep filming going smoothly, exposure sheets are used. Exposure sheets help to clarify what a character is doing in each frame so that everything can be mapped out. The sheets include frame numbers, waveform for the score, 
and the phonetics of the words formed by the characters for mouth movement. Frankenweenie was shot at the standard 24 frames per second. For animators, that meant that for one second of film, the puppets must be moved 24 times. Most often, one animator is able to animate about five seconds of the film a week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ooh. my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so just to remind you, just like, <laughs> this is a very time-consuming art form. <laughs> yeah. These movies historically do not do very well at the box office, but they should. Yes. Because, one, it's a lot of work, but two, they look really good. They do. Yeah. <sighs> Inspiration for the puppets began from the drawings by Burton. Not only did they have his original concept drawings from the 1984 film, but he drew some new ones as well. The team of artists worked closely off of these and consulted Burton often on personalities and looks of the characters. The puppets were cast from sculptures and then cast into foam rubber. All of the clothes had to be hand-sewn as the puppets were only about a foot in height, and Sparky was about four inches. Oh, just the tiniest little model? Oh, yeah. man. And it's, and it's so funny to think about these things being only a few inches tall, because when you watch the movie, they feel larger than life. They feel yeah. Yeah. like real people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just think about how many they had to make. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, multiples. Not not only because of different shapes and in moments in the movie, but mm -hmm. like different people working on different scenes at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, it would take way too freaking long if it mm -hmm. were just in order. <laughs> exactly. So, so it's like, just, yeah. I want a I want a collection of all the Frankenweenies. <laughs> this got to be what like eighty of yeah. them, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, lot. speaking of that, in total, there ended up being over two hundred puppets See? that needed to be cared for. Oh my gosh. Yep. There was even a special puppet hospital <laughs> created where there was a team that made repairs for the clothing, limbs, and much more. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, they called it the puppet hospital. Please That's tell so me cute. they had a tiny ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> the production designer, Rick Heinrichs, had worked with Tim Burton on both the short film Vincent and Nightmare Before Christmas. Vincent is a lovely short yeah, film. Yeah, it is. The longtime collaborators had also done well with the 1984 Frankenweenie. When Rick heard that Burton intended to remake the movie in stop motion, he was in from the start. Rick saw opportunities to improve what they had built with the original. Rick Heinrichs was blown away by the animators working on the film. He was thrilled to see the story in black and white again, and loved the controlled nature of stop motion. He said, When you're doing a live-action film, you're dealing with a lot more people, and as much as you want to control the sets and control the lighting, it's like wearing boxing gloves trying to do something delicate. With stop-motion animation, the cinematographer is lighting the set, and the set decorators and the model makers and the animators are all people you're talking to directly. You can fix things. It's on a scale where it's all flexible. And you can continue to manipulate things until it shoots. It's a longer process of prep and production as well, so you can really bring more continuity to bear on the whole process. That is very true. I wonder if there have ever been continuity errors in a stop motion movie. Oh, because there's that's a good so question. much time yeah. to notice them. Yeah, you know, yeah. or that's... they don't leave any Starbucks cups mm -hmm, right. in shot or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the sets were built on tabletops, complete with trap doors, similar to the ones we learned about when Nightmare Before Christmas was made. The attention to detail on the sets was incredible. Yeah, man. It just oh yeah. I want to look at it in person. Because you get one shot of just, you know, a wide shot of the town or something like that. Where are the breaks in the set? Like, where do the people come <laughs> yeah. in? Like, where are the trap doors? Where are the buildings actually not next to each other, even though it looks like they are? Mm -hmm. Like, all of these weird camera tricks. I need yeah. to see them. <laughs> yes. Where does the edge, where are the edges of the sets and how mm -hmm. do they fit together? Yeah. Because you know it was several different rooms and... Mm -hmm. Art director Sandra Walker, when talking about the sets, said that they strived to create Burton's version of American suburbia. What's strange isn't the neighborhood, it's what happens in the neighborhood. Burton grew up in a 50s, 60s middle-class Burbank-type area. This story takes place in the fictional town of New Holland, with a classic-looking windmill in the town. In the climax of the original film, 
Victor and Sparky become trapped in the windmill at the local golf course. So the animated film needed to have a windmill for the ending as well. Heinrichs said about using the cultural aspects of New Holland. It was all about having Dutch Day, and also about how American communities really take these old world elements and they turn it into this flat suburban thing. They knock down all the maple trees and they call it Maple Street. It's this absconding of things out in the world and making it your own thing. There was something characteristically American and charming about that. To be honest with you, I really think that it establishes a purpose for the windmill. I mean, I would say so. It's, you know, the town is trying to be classy. Yeah. I don't know, less suburban than it really is, even though it's just the most suburban place. (laughs) Yeah. The shrubs are all perfectly trimmed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There are lots of towns that are called New Holland in America. Yeah. And this really could have been taken place in one yeah. of those places. Anywhere. There's even one in Ohio. There is, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's really fun, you know, that they put it in this. Because like they said, they are trying to make, this is a very, the monsters are due on Maple Street type deal. Yeah. Everything seems normal. Everything's ordinary, you know. But obviously something weird and fascinating is happening underneath all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we mentioned last week with Something Wicked. Mm-hmm. You know, all good horror movies start out normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Working on a stop motion film is incredibly physical work. Instead of working in front of a screen, you are constantly moving. One frame of movement would include several changes that would all have to be physically and meticulously moved. It is a very hands-on process that is evident in the final product. Can't imagine animating a crowd. No. Yeah, that's crazy. Because if you're animating one character mm-hmm. they're taking up mm-hmm. the whole screen it's like okay i move this one puppet once take the frame all right move it again take the frame but think about doing a crowd where everyone's mm-hmm. moving okay gotta move this yeah. puppet and this puppet and this puppet yeah and this puppet and this puppet and this yeah puppet, and then take yes. the frame okay oh, move this puppet and yeah this puppet. <laughs> like this person's eyes this person's <sighs> arm this person's <laughs> yeah my goodness man So as we mentioned a little bit before, this movie is full of a lot of wonderful references to other classic horror movies and monsters and things like that. So we're going to talk about them right now. Burton believes that references should not be used just to have them there. He enjoys referencing older movies, but you should not have to know what is being referenced to enjoy the movie. It should pass by as you are paying attention to the story. Yeah. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I agree with him. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if I didn't know about, God, like, I don't know, gosh, what's not Godzilla, but um, Gamera and yeah. things like that. It's like, oh, I don't need to know mm-hmm. those characters, you know? It makes audience members feel left out. You don't mm-hmm. want to make people feel left out. Right? No. Right. Producer Allison Abate said that in order to be able to reference these movies, And with a purpose, the animators all watched the classic monster movies, paying special attention to the old Frankenstein movies. So here are just some of the references that we noticed throughout the film. Obviously from Frankenstein, they included a character similar to that of Igor, the the kid in the class who first finds out that he's doing this experiment. Yeah. His name is even kind of close. Edgar kind of talks like him, very breathy, kind of like a... I wouldn't say nasally voice, but, you know. Yeah. He has a very similar voice. voice. Yeah. Yeah. And this character is not a friend to Victor, though. No. Right. Or doesn't really help him in any way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as the movie goes on, this character does push Victor to continuing and to make other animals come back to life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in that sense, it's a lot. It's a lot like the original. Yeah. Yeah. With Igor kind of helping him do that in the original story. Your dog is alive! That's impossible. I know, I know it is so impossible, but you did it! You did it! Sleepy Hollow and Frankenstein both have a windmill that burns down as well. Ah, Sleepy Hollow is another Tim Burton movie. It is, yes, with Johnny Depp. (laughs) Yeah. So, of course, he referenced his own movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Then there's a reference to the movie monster Rodan in the short film that Victor created at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Such a cool, yeah. cool little mini film within a film. Yeah. yeah. At the beginning of this movie and the original, 
we see Victor is making his own monster movies at home mm-hmm. with Sparky. Sparky dressing up as the monster. It's very, very cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Adorable. There's also a reference to Bride of Frankenstein. Sparky's love interest, Persephone, ends up with the white hair stripes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great little reference <laughs> that that I picked up on immediately, but you mentioned is also in the short, mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. to the very end. Yeah. At the very end of the short, the dog just kind of comes out. She's a poodle, so she's got the black... Mm-hmm. She's got the black hair, but then with the white streak. Yep. Yep. And then Pet Cemetery, obviously, like you mentioned before, Robin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> right. You know, these kids have a bunch of dead pets. They try to bring them back to life, and they literally wreak havoc on the town. Yep. Mm-hmm. Destroying things, except for that poor cat. Oh, yeah. yeah I feel so bad for that cat. There's a cat in this movie oh. that was alive. Yes. But got turned into this crazy bat monster. Yeah. Yeah. Horrifying. I felt bad for that cat. Yeah. And oh. I thought it was interesting that the sea monkeys became monsters because, like, technically they weren't dead. They just That's hadn't yeah. been, like, activated yet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Each kid is trying to bring back their own dead pet. And then also they're kind of getting weird and greedy about it. They're bringing back, yeah. like, random things that they found. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a bat, there was a dead rat. All kinds of <laughs> random things. Yes. Yeah. And the sea monkeys was one of them, and they came back as very creature of the Black Lagoon, creature from yeah. the Black Lagoon-looking, you know, yeah. monsters. Yeah. Which, and also, the Plain White Tees did a music video for this mm. uh, called Pet Cemetery as ah. well. Uh-huh. Yes. Then there's the Invisible Man, which is which is hilarious as an invisible fish. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. That, nice teeny little reference there. <laughs> yeah. That is the first animal that they try to bring back. Mm-hmm. After Sparky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he purposefully goes to a pet store and buys this dead goldfish yeah mm-hmm. like no i want that i wouldn't sell it to that kid. exactly i'd be yeah, like no. why do you want this i'm not gonna sell yeah <laughs> then the sea monkeys that you mentioned also a reference to gremlins in a, a little, little bit, bit of a way <laughs> they kind of gang Maybe. up together and kind of Cause right. trouble together Perhaps i suppose a, a mixture of the gremlins yeah. and creatures of, yeah of the yeah then a reference to the mummy, Nasser's Colossus the hamster, and <laughs> and also when Nasser gets wrapped up and shoved into a large nesting doll. Nasser is one of the children. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is trying to bring back these animals, and he is very. He looks very similar to Boris Karloff, who he played Frankenstein. Yeah. In the original, this is like the only very character. Yeah. Tall. Yeah. Lanky. Mm-hmm. He has like the face shape of Frankenstein. Yes. He looks like Frankenstein's monster, but as just a regular person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also a reference to the birds, the phone booth scene with all of the sea monkeys trying to get in. Yeah. So when it came up on the screen, Robin immediately was like, Oh, the birds. Yeah. That's, that's it. the birds. <laughs> that's the birds. Yeah. Yep. For sure. And of course, Gamera, like we mentioned before, Godzilla's forever rival. Yeah. Yes. Even though they haven't met in a movie yet. Uh, Dang it. How dare they <laughs> <laughs> But yes, another child's pet bringing back to life was a turtle. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, this time it grew to be huge. Yeah. When it was, it was brought monstrous. back to life. Yes. Didn't make any sense when Colossus the hamster stayed small. It was very tiny, yes. <laughs> I know. I kind of felt bad for that kid. He really wanted it to be like this big thing and it just was yeah. like kind of inching on the ground. <laughs> yeah, he was like so a worm. <laughs> he was so confident too because he was like, yeah. "Colossus, go kill that giant monster! Like, do it!" And then they kind of like come at each other. You think like, "Oh man, Colossus is gonna like pull out some crazy yeah, stuff." Yeah, like what's he gonna do? Totally doesn't. No, no. <laughs> poor, poor hamster. And the last one we noticed was reference to Jurassic Park, of course. Mm. When the mayor tries to hide in a porta potty, he sure does. Ooh. And we yeah. thought he was about to get got for yeah. a second. Yeah, because he we was being did. chased by this uh, Gamera turtle monster. And we were like, uh oh, he's about to get Jurassic oh. Park. <laughs> in a kid's movie. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, snap. Totally didn't because nope. the sea monkeys actually came up through the bottom of the porta potty. <laughs> yeah. Totally flipping the script. Yeah. <laughs> All right, one one last little nod, little thing we saw that was really cute was that one of the little animals that they brought back that was in the 
the pet cemetery was was Shelly. Yeah. As a nod to Mary Shelley. It had so to be. Cute. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think so. Either that or a nod to Shelley Duvall, who was in the original. Oh. Both. Could be both, yeah. yeah. Probably both, right? <laughs> so the music in this movie is flippin' fantastic. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you didn't already know, that freaking Danny Elfman did the score. The elf man himself. <laughs> yes, as they say. <laughs> In an article in Films in Review from 1992, Ken Hank comments that Elfman's scores are far more creative, far more in line with Burton's combined sense of charm, irony, and absurdity, and generally just better music. Yeah. Yeah. Danny <laughs> Elfman's so good. <laughs> I mean, yep. Steven Spielberg, John Williams. Right. Yeah. Tim <laughs> Burton. Danny Elfman. Yeah. 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 When, when it works, it works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to starring here now. While the actors recorded their lines for the performances, video references were taken. These videos would be watched for behaviors, movements, and idiosyncrasies that could be used in the performance of the puppets. Wow. Yeah. Burton, in an interview with Collider, commented on the casting, saying, Always the voices have to be right. With Martin Short and Catherine O'Hara, they're so good. That's why I had them do three voices each. To me, there's a great energy with that. And Winona Ryder, I hadn't seen for many years. Same with Martin Landau. Anything like that just makes it that much more personal. Yeah. Yeah. Working with people that you've worked with before. Mm -hmm. So first we have Winona Ryder as Elsa Van Helsing. Yay! Yeah. And I mean, yeah, can it be a Tim Burton film without someone like Winona yeah. or Catherine O'Hara? It's got to be somebody similar or, to Winona's in there somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> or uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, you just have to have somebody like that. She is, of course, a favorite of Burton's and was also in Beetlejuice. And Van Helsing references Bram Stoker's character from his novel, Dracula. More horror. Yes. Yep. All over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine O'Hara as Mrs. Frankenstein, the gym teacher, and the weird girl. Yeah. Oh, boy. When I, when I found out she was the weird girl, I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that girl She's was so weird. Good. She was weird. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Don't speak of Catherine like that. <laughs> Mr. Whiskers had a dream about you last night. How do you know? Because this morning I made this. She was also in Beetlejuice, but it's also known as the mom in Home Alone. Mm, and Moira in Schitt's and, Creek. Yes, that's true. In this universe, there is no Frankenstein story. These people are the Frankensteins. Yes. This isn't just a reference to Frankenstein. Yeah. This is an adaptation of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the real deal. Mm -hmm. And it also explains why nobody ever brings it up to them. Yeah. Yes. It's like, yeah. oh, Frankenstein. Oh, what <laughs> yeah. are you, a it's... crazy scientist over here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just like the book. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you learn a lesson from the book? Cool. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if there was something like that, it would sound exactly like that. Exactly. Right. <laughs> But I think that was a great move. Mm -hmm. I really liked that they did that. Yeah. Because it being its own from top to bottom version of the story rather than referencing the story in itself. Yeah. Is just a great move. Makes it so much Beautiful. more original and Yeah. And it's something I didn't realize till I was older. Oh yeah. Watching the short as an adult. I oh. His name is Victor Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. okay. Martin Short as Mr. Frankenstein, Nasser, and Mr. Burgermeister. Hey. Yes. Oh Martin Short is most recently seen in Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. Which such a good show. Guys. It's a good one. In the Rankin and Bass episode, we talked about how much Burton enjoyed their work. And so in this film, he pays tribute with the character Mr. Burgermeister. The character is similar in a lot of ways to Burgermeister Meisterburger in Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It's, he even looks like him. He does. It's perfect. Yeah. And he's just as much of a jerk. Yes, he as is. As in the 
Franken ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> we have Charlie Tahan as Victor Frankenstein. Charlie most recently has been in Ozark. And you can see in his character's room a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea poster. Oh, oh nice. Which is just a cool little fact. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Frank Welker was Sparky. Nice. Yeah. Frank is a voice actor that did voices for the live action Transformers. Oh. I think he's he's a pretty prolific guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I've heard his name a lot, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Sparky is given the classic bolts on the side of his head in reference to Frankenstein's monster. I know. Hey. Yeah, we mentioned that earlier. Yeah, it's it's perfect. You can't mistake it at that no. point. No. No. We have Martin Landau as the teacher, Mr. Rice Kresge. This character may look very familiar to you because he is modeled after Vincent Price. Yeah. I mean, you look at him. He's great. He's just a great character. <laughs> and one of my favorite parts of the full-length movie. Mm-hmm. He's a real Rice Krisky treat. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. That he is. And this character gives this beautiful speech at town hall to all the parents. The parents are up in arms. Because their kids are talking about science and they're talking mm-hmm. about these weird ideas that they'd never heard before. <laughs> right. And this man is a foreigner to these people. Mm-hmm. He has a different accent. Yeah. And, you know, he mentions being from a different country at one point. And to them, the the whole everything about him is strange and weird and unfamiliar. Yeah. And they really rise up against him mm-hmm. the same way, you know, the villagers rise up against Frankenstein in the original story. This movie is about so many things, about mm-hmm. friendship and love, and tolerance is one of the things that they touch on in this movie, and that's yeah. his whole scene is about, you know, wanting to learn and expand and embrace new things, mm-hmm. and it can be scary, but maybe I'm right, you know. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, I think the confusion here is that you are all very ignorant. Is that the right word, ignorant? I mean stupid, primitive, unenlightened. You do not understand science, so you are afraid of it. Like a dog is afraid of thunder or balloons. To you, science is magic and witchcraft because you have such such small minds. Martin was in many films before he passed away, but most recently Abe and Phil's last poker game in 2017. This film also features the voices of Atticus Schaefer, Robert Capron, James Lau, Conchata Farrell, John Donahue, Tom Kenny, Tom. And, yeah, and Dee Bradley Baker. Dee Bradley Baker. Yeah, <laughs> you had to do it for both. Yeah. <laughs> You can tell. You can just hear it. Yeah. There was a point when a when a <laughs> they were like when he gave that speech, they started to get upset about things and mm-hmm. there was a a just a random citizen who stood up and said something. I was like, Was that Tom? That's Tom. <laughs> That's Tom I know right there. We're all on a first name basis. Both of you yeah, we're both like, Oh my gosh. So there are lots of opinions out there as to whether or not Tim Burton's films are for children. Burton himself grew up where death was a taboo topic, but monster movies made him feel more optimistic about it all and reminded him of how life and death go hand in hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like I like that. I mean, it's nice when you're a kid to experience death through movies. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it created such a unmistakable aesthetic for Tim Burton and yeah. his movies, not just yeah. these stop motion ones or anything. But all of them have that kind of like slightly off creepy yeah. thing. Yeah, Tim it Burton's works. creepy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's the whole point, right? It's yeah. just kinda kinda But that I mean, I love it. I yeah. Love, I love that Very feeling. Very accepting of it. Right. He never felt he had a morbid fascination with death. Frankenweenie in particular was made with kids in mind and distances you from the scary with its emotional storyline, humor, and animation, as I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. I like that it can do this without being scary. Mm -hmm. Animation inherently shows you it is not real, and therefore children are more receptive to the scariness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is why a lot of people think that animation is meant strictly for children right? or that the medium was created for children because Mm -hmm. it seems that it's easier to digest something 
when it happens as something that's animated because you have already accepted watching animation that yeah. what you're seeing isn't real. Mm-hmm. It's not really happening in front of you. <laughs> that is true of animation that putting something in animation makes it easier for kids to di- digest because it helps them understand mm-hmm. that yeah. what they're seeing isn't real, that a movie yeah. isn't real. Yeah, even if it's 3D or 2D, mm-hmm. it's going to be easier and you should show your kids old animation. <laughs> This episode brought to you by Old Animation. Old Animation. Go listen to that episode. (laughs) The History of Animation episode. Yes. The film did not do well commercially, but it did make back its budget. Yay. So at least least, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't lose money. It just didn't, it didn't do as well as they thought it might. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a fun conversation about what do you guys, what do you guys think? Do you think you'd show your kids Tim Burton movies? Yeah. I would. I, yeah. I might wait to show them Beetlejuice until they're a little older. Yeah. But yeah. like Nightmare Before Christmas, Frank and Weenie, mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. I think it's okay for kids to see death in movies. But mm-hmm. I guess right. the, the the reality is, though, is if you're a parent, you have to be ready to, if you're going to show your kids yeah. something like that, you have to be ready to talk to your kid yeah. about it afterward Which because they're going to ask the, questions. That can be the toughest part. Yeah. <laughs> Watching yeah. the movie easy (laughs) yeah yeah they might start asking you some questions or they might get troubled by what they see Mm -hmm. you know and so yeah it's it's always up to the parent but i was just wondering what you guys Mm -hmm. what you guys thought about that kind of stuff i think i would my parents had no problem with it all right so now it's for the part where we couldn't fit in with everything else just little fun facts here for you (laughs) there was an art of frankenweenie exhibition that toured the world after the premiere It had a wonderful reception and even came to Comic-Con in San Diego. You were able to tour some of the sets, props, and characters. That's fun. Son of a gun. Yeah, I know. You missed it, Adam. Talking about it. (laughs) Shoot, man. Yeah, they had the whole sets. Maybe there'll be like a Tim Burton exhibit here in Columbus someday. Yeah, maybe Kosai will do one. Yeah. There are videos of the exhibition, though, so you can kind of see a little bit. Yeah. Burton invited his high school art teacher to the movie premiere. I think that is the sweetest thing. That is so cute. I had to include that because that's so adorable. It's because, you know, you watch this movie and you're like, okay, (laughs) obviously somebody had a big influence on Tim Burton as a child. And that has to be who this teacher is modeled after. (laughs) For sure. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's really sweet. Yep. And then the last thing is that names of animators' animals were on the gravestones at the pet cemetery. Aww. Very sweet. So that might be the Hercules that we saw. Yeah. <laughs> Things yeah. like that. <laughs> Frankenweenie was nominated for a lot of awards, including the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. It unfortunately did not win. It lost to Brave. No. <sighs> I mean, Pixar. It did, however, win a lot of awards in different states. And the Saturn Award for Best Animated Film and Best Music. All right. Hey. You know what I noticed is that we here at the Black Ace Diaries mm-hmm. seem to really love movies that win Saturn Awards. You know, I've like, noticed that <laughs> yeah. too. But not so much Oscars. The Oscars are just too uppity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Saturn, Saturn is all sci-fi. Yes. That's why yeah. we like oh, it. Oh, we love it. Mm-hmm. Frankenweenie is a wonderful retelling of a classic story with an optimistic twist. The original Frankenstein ends with the monster becoming increasingly destructive as he faces more cruelty, and the townsfolk end up hunting down a being that was initially harmless, his only crime being his existence. In Frankenweenie, the townsfolk make the same mistake, but have the capacity to learn and grow, deciding to bring Sparky back to life. The concept can be summed up with the line, Sometimes adults don't know what they're talking about. Spoken by Victor's father at the end of the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In both versions, the dog dies saving Victor. Mm -hmm. And the townspeople, seeing how lovely the dog was, decide Mm -hmm. to all bring him back to life. Yes. Mm -hmm. In the tradition of the original, this movie explores human nature, the strength of an act of love, and how dangerous an act of fear can be. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It sure does, doesn't yeah, it? it does. Yes, it's, um, it's perfect, and, and it does it in such a way that you don't have to think really hard to get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's all kind of laid out for you, and everyone kind of has, or at least most people, have a pet 
that they could relate to about yeah. this. So it's really easy to make that connection and kind of see that for yourself. Yeah. I imagine a lot of the people that made this movie kind of thought about their own pets. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I love my cats. You know, I imagine it, it's such a cute, wholesome story idea. You know, in Frankenstein, originally, there's so many questions about morality mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what he's done and, all, you know, all this stuff in this. All, it's just it's just as simple as a little boy loves his dog and he just wants it back. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, once he gets the dog back, the dog doesn't really do much more than what a normal dog does. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know, dogs are so pure and sweet. And, you know, yeah. this dog just loves his human, just. And you know, that, goes about town, goes about yeah. his business, plays with yeah. balls, gets into trouble, mm -hmm. you know, dog Finds stuff. Persephone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, and the benefit is you don't have to feed him, probably. Probably. Oh, we, yeah. we know he can't drink water. We saw that <laughs> in the movie. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And my question is, how long will he last? It's a good question. Yeah. Is this a dog that you just now passed down? In your family, like Victor's children will have Sparky as their dog, and then oh. his grandkids will. Yeah, have... I mean, is he continuously decomposing? Oh, uh, that's you know, also a question. Are these things we want to know? <laughs> uh, you know, probably not. No, I don't maybe, think so. Maybe we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, what a fun time! What a fun yeah. Halloween! Yes, absolutely. That is our last spooky case mm. closed. Woo! Yeah, dude, strong, <sighs> strong performance in yes. October. We, the claps were just—they're <laughs> on point. Yeah, we, <sighs> you know, we don't do a lot of things really well here. <laughs> the one thing Hold we on. do really well is we clap <laughs> all at the same time, <laughs> dude. Well, before we go though, we'd like to thank our patrons, of course. Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelly, Linda, Bob, Carlos, and Jaron. Yay. Yay. And happy Halloween to all of you. Yes. yes. A happy Disney Halloween. I hope you're having a spooky time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we have some more stuff coming. Maybe. Maybe we don't. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe we that's not. the scariest thing. Is yeah. us not having anything <laughs> more? <gasps> oh, they'll be so disappointed. <laughs> You can also buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash <laughs> And thank you to all who support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Yay! Yes. We thank you very much. Yes, we, we appreciate do. all thank of you so you. much. Yes. You can also find us on our social medias, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, or just go to blackcasediaries.com. That's right. Easy peasy. Mm -hmm. We will see you all next time. Or will we? <gasps> Science is not good or bad, Victor, but it can be used both ways. That is why you must always be careful.